Good morning. You know, I was thinking about it. We really naturally and instinctively imitate other people, right? I was thinking about when I first got married, reading some chili or some soup or something, and I was crushing up saltine crackers, you know, like you would. Um, Although I've been doing Ritz lately. Adds a nice little buttery flavor. Anyway, doing the saltine, and I'm crushing them up, putting them in my soup, and Heather's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just putting crackers in my soup, crush them up. What are you talking about? And she's like, no, the way you crush your crackers is hilarious. I'm not sure why you do that. And I'm like, I, I'm not going to try to replicate. I don't know. I just do it, okay? Leave me alone. But um, uh, I don't know. Maybe a month later, we're sitting down with my family, and my dad's crushing his crackers and putting it in his soup. And uh, I look over, and I'm like, that's why. <laughs> um, he does it the same way. I don't know. And I just did it. We just instinctively imitate other people, right? Um, something a, a little worse, perhaps. Um, uh, my uncle, one of my uncles growing up, would would spit a lot when we were outside. He didn't chew or anything like that. He just spit. I don't. I don't know. Um, and I picked up on it and just started doing it when I'm outside. And Heather hates that one because um, we're on like a walk and I'm just randomly spitting. She's like, "You're not even. Nothing's even coming out of your mouth. Like, what are you?" Um, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, okay? I just, I'm imitating, and I don't even realize it. So um, we get, we keep telling stories, but we, you know, we naturally, instinctively imitate other people. We also intentionally imitate other people sometimes, right? So for me, um, with drumming, um, the main way that I've learned how to drum is by watching other people drum. Like, very intentionally, like, what are they doing here, there? Um, even Josh this morning, I took a couple notes. And so I, that's how I learned how to drum. So I was intentionally Im- imitating him. So here's where I'm going with this. We're, we've been in Philippians, and we're going to be in Philippians 3, starting in verse 17 today. And you can start turning there. But, but we see here that Paul's goal, and, and my goal this morning, in this passage is to convince you to intentionally imitate other people who are focused on eternity. To intentionally imitate other people. You're always going to be imitating people. But Paul wants us, God wants us to imitate other people intentionally who are focused on heaven and eternity. So let's check it out. Let's look at, this, let's look at the passage. Philippians three seventeen. Brothers, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame. With minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject all things to Himself. And then 4 verse 1, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Judea and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, to help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Starts out there, 317. Brothers or brothers and sisters, join in imitating me. This is a very personal thing for Paul. 
Paul planted the church in Philippi, we saw in the book of Acts. He planted this church. He knows these people. He's writing to them and going, hey, imitate me. He's proven his worth to them. He's not just some random church leader. No, it's their pastor, their father in the faith, their friend, their co-laborer. And so I thought of like bosses. You know, a, a good boss has an intentional relationship with his employees and he knows or she knows that uh, things that are going on in their life, knows a bit about their family, but a bad boss doesn't really give a rip and they don't really know anything about their employees. And so when they tell them to do something, the employees, you know, behind their backs are like, yeah, whatever, right? And Paul's not like that. Paul's like a good boss. He knows them really well. So when he says, imitate me, they're like, yeah, we'll imitate you. But you might think Paul's getting a little arrogant here and boasting, but he's not. And here's why. Paul's, Paul's not claiming to be perfect. He's not saying, imitate me because I'm perfect. Remember last week, Joey did a great job with the section right before this. And in verse 12, it says, not that I have already obtained all this or I'm already perfect. So he, he already admitted, I'm not perfect. So imitate me certainly doesn't mean being perfect. It means being focused. That's what we see in this passage. He quickly moves to imitating me to now imitating others. That's how we also know he wasn't arrogant or boastful here. Hey, imitate me, but also imitate other people. Us, he says. So Timothy, Epaphroditus, other people that Paul was with, that the Philippians would have known, imitate them. And then he says, imitate anybody else too. Who's not perfect, but focused. Focused on what though? Focused on what exactly? Well, Paul doesn't settle for a Sunday school answer in this passage. What's the Sunday school answer? Jesus, thank you. Yes. No, he does, that's not what he says. He says here, here you need to be, you need to imitate people who are focused on heavenly things. On eternity. Not on earthly things. So yes, be like Jesus. But he spells it out for us, okay? So that's what we're going to spend the rest of our time doing as we see in this passage. So 18 and 19, he's essentially saying, hey, do not imitate people who are focused on earthly things. He says, for many of whom I have often told you, now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. So when we're trying to figure out who do we imitate, don't imitate people like this. And who are these people Paul's talking about in verses 18 and 19? Who are these people? Well, we know that they were people who claimed to be Christians. Because he says, now I tell you even with tears. So he's, he is deeply saddened because these people claim to follow Jesus, but now are walking as enemies of the cross. And they may even still be in the church influencing people, but they're but, but they're walking as enemies, he says. And so it could be the Judaizers. If you remember in chapter 3, verse 2, we talked about them a little bit. These are people who were Jews, um, but became Christians, or at least said they did, but said, yeah, Jesus died for us, believe in him, but you also have to do this and this and this and this and this in order to be saved. Emptied the cross of its power. So it could have been those people, but when they did this, they, they were basically focusing on attention, appearances, looking good in the church, which means ultimately their focus was this life only. 
earthly things. Paul also just could have been talking about anybody who was in this church who was a blatant hypocrite. Now I say blatant because if we're all honest, including Paul himself, we're all hypocrites. Right? We, we come in here and, and sing things and say things like, I love you, Lord. And then we turn around and we're a jerk to someone else. We don't love other people. And when we don't obey God, clearly calls us to love others with all our with to love other people as ourselves then then we are disobeying him and in turn not loving god so we're all hypocrites to some degree but i'm talking about blatant hypocrites people who claim to know jesus but they're focused on their own attention their own appearances looking good in this world and again their their focus is this life only and so paul kind of walks through in these verses hey here is what you shouldn't imitate Don't imitate someone whose mind is set on earthly things. We see at the end of verse 19. Earthly things, what are they? They're things that only matter here and now. They're not eternal. They're not lasting. They will not matter in a hundred years. And they certainly won't matter in a thousand years. And so for the Philippians and for us, it could be anything from, from checking religious boxes to showing up at church to show up. And not having a real relationship. Or it could just be, be being a terrible steward of our money and possessions. And just being greedy. Or, or being all about our status. And being all about our own pleasure. That is a mind that's set on earthly things. And when Paul says, hey, have your mind set on something? He's talking about, hey, where does your mind naturally go to when you're driving around? Where does your mind naturally go to when you're, when you're falling, trying to fall asleep and your mind just won't shut up? Where's your mind at? Imitate people whose mind is not on earthly things. And, and you might be like, well, how do I tell where someone's mind is? I can't look at someone and know where their mind is. Well, here's how you tell. Ask them. I love to ask people this question. Now you're going to be weirded out every time I ask you this. That's okay. I'm cool with it. Um, but what are you thinking about? Not in a judgmental way, but just like, hey, what's on your mind? You get, a, you get a window into their soul, into their heart when you ask that. Also, just pay attention to what people talk about. Jesus said out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we want to imitate people whose minds set on earthly things. But we need to, we need to do some, some um, investigation of sorts to see, hey, are they worth imitating? Their mindset on earthly things. Also, he says, don't imitate people whose king, so to speak, whose Lord is their sinful cravings. The beginning of verse 19 it says, their God is their belly. This isn't just talking about food. This is it's talking about anything. Someone's motto, uh, who they, they may, maybe wouldn't say this, but their motto is, if it feels good, do it. When push comes to shove, they would say, my feelings are king, even when the Bible's clear that something else is right and good and true. Don't imitate these people. They're impulsive. They're dangerous, especially over time. And it's hard because it's often not evident with people right away. Do some research on people. You know the culprit behind almost all scandals? And broken family relationships is this. Someone made 
their own sinful cravings king of their life. We're all prone to this though, right? We all do this at times in our life. But you're looking for people, is this a pattern to where they are, they are just, their feelings are king, their cravings are king, and they're always giving in to them, and they don't give a rip that they're even doing it. What about their mouth? What do they talk about? Don't imitate people who brag about rubbish. The middle of verse 19 says they glory in their shame. For some of these Philippians, they were literally bragging about their shame. These Judaizers were bragging about their circumcision. But Paul's saying, hey, beware of people who brag about rubbish. If you remember in in 3 verse 8, Paul says this, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Trash. Rubbish. I just want to say rubbish again because it's fun to say. Right? But it's trash. And he says everything is trash. Everything is rubbish in comparison with knowing Christ Jesus. What do people talk about? Are people, uh, is this person just declaring and boldly promoting rubbish? You need to be aware of, of kind of two different groups of people or two ditches that people can fall into when you're looking for someone to imitate, someone to have as a mentor. Do they promote their own efforts a lot? Even their good uh, churchy religious efforts, right? Do they, they, are they like, hey, look what I did. Look what I'm doing for Christ instead of look at Christ or look at Christ in him or in her or in him or they just look at, look at what Christ is up to here. Or the, the kind of the other ditch to fall into is, is people who just promote their sin. They won't call it that, of course, but they, they talk about their past and their present sins in a nonchalant way. They don't take Philippians 1.1 seriously, where we started out, where Paul calls them saints. He addresses this group of people as saints. Why? Not because they're perfect, but because they're called to holiness, to be set apart, to live a life that is worthy of Christ. That's our identity. Not in sin anymore. Here's how you tell if someone is bragging about rubbish. Listen. Listen really well to people. Words really do matter. What are they saying? What about actions? Don't imitate people whose actions are like the end of verse 18. It says, they walk as enemies of the cross. Really? These self-proclaiming Christians... We're walking as enemies of the cross. Isn't that extreme? What did that look like? Well, here's what it looked like. The Judaizers literally emptied the cross of its power and significance because they were saying, hey, my works give me, that's, that's good. Jesus went to the cross. That's cool. That's great. That's awesome. But, but I got to do this and this and this. It cheapens it. Why would Jesus even have to come if I could just do some stuff to take care of my sin problem? But we can't. They're walking as an enemy of the cross. And it's just anybody who takes, tries to take the focus off of Christ and his work. And in this context, we see an example of it. Disunity. That's kind of a theme or a mini theme of Philippians is unity. And so 4 verse 2. 
I entreat Yudia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Paul's saying here, hey, disunity is so disruptive and so inappropriate that I'm going to call out two people by name. Did you catch that? Two people by name. And then says, hey, you need to help them out. That's how big of a deal disunity is. So disunity is actually walking as an enemy of the cross too. Because think about it. Unity is the heart of the message of the cross, right? Reconciliation. Reconciliation is the restoring of relationship between two parties. God and man. Jesus bridged that gap by going to the cross. And so when we stand in the way, when we observe other people who make a pattern of their life of standing in the way of unity in the body of Christ, unity with other people, it's an assault on God Himself and on the cross of Jesus Christ. Don't imitate people who are focused on earthly things, He's saying, who have their minds set on earthly things. Their king is their sinful cravings. Their mouth just brags about rubbish and their actions show that they really are enemies of the cross. But then he gets to the positive. Here's who you should imitate. Imitate others who are focused on eternity. Verses 20 and 21. He says, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to... to, to him even to subject all things to himself. So their minds, their minds are set on heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. And the, the Philippians would have understood this really well. The Philippians um, were born in Philippi. That was the town they lived in. But if you were born in Philippi at this time, you became a Roman citizen just from birth. But they obviously weren't in the city of Rome. But they got all of the rights, all the privileges that someone born in Rome had. Their citizenship was in Rome. And so when Paul says, hey, your citizenship is in heaven. Oh, I get that. I'm a citizen of Rome, even though I don't live there. And so how can I, how can I bring it to life for us? Well, let's imagine for a second that there was a thing called Disney Plus Plus. Okay? All right, just, just run with me. Disney Plus Plus. Okay? Um, it's better than The Mandalorian, which is pretty good. I'm in the middle of it right now. Um, shameless plug. Disney Plus Plus. It's not a video streaming service. This is great. Okay, this is way better. You can go to Disneyland, Disney World, Disney Resorts, anything Disney, whenever you want, for free. Right? I mean, you, you pay this membership, you become a citizen, and, and you get to go there for free whenever you want. It's great. The rest of your life. Okay, let's just say that was a thing. Disney Plus Plus. You would then be a member of Disney Plus Plus or a citizen of Disney. And if this happened, I mean, your mind would obviously be more fixated on Disney. And, and people, some people might even start to think you're a little crazy and be like, hello, you still live in Iowa. And you'd be like, yeah, but you don't understand. Uh, right? And you'd still be engaged here. But you're planning, you're dreaming of your next Disney vacation all the time. I think of the old song that says, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. That's what it means to be a citizen of heaven. We're certainly not ignoring earth. We're not ignoring the town we're living in. God has placed us here to live on mission and live in our present reality, very engaged. But our thought process should be foreign 
to unbelievers. It should make no sense to other people. Because our mind is preoccupied with our ultimate vacation, our true home, heaven. Imitate people who are very evidently not making this world their home. They're just passing through. What about their king? I am going to do it. I am going to give the Sunday school answer. The king is Jesus. But let me explain it, okay? Uh, So verse 20, it says, From it we await heaven. We await a savior, the Lord Jesus. When your king is Jesus, not just say your king is Jesus, when your king is Jesus, it means he's your Lord. His desires are king of my life, not mine. You're humbly submissive to God's good desires, God's good plans for me. Even when they fly in the face of what I crave and desire. And actually, paradoxically, you end up fulfilling your greatest and deepest desires and cravings by submitting to God's. The true lasting connection you desire from someone, the pleasure you want so badly, the joy, the peace is actually found in relationship with Christ and making him your Lord, your king, and living like it. And so I I immediately thought of my mom and dad. My mom is actually here this morning. And they just set an incredible example for me and for many others. Um, And most people don't even know it. Um, So I did ask their permission. But they're incredibly generous. They They live simply so that they can give it away. Um, I I happen to know that they give a lot. They're very generous towards missions and the church. They spend their free time at church and in serving other people. My, My dad works on people's cars, sometimes even for free, just to help people out. He's Loves people in that way. My mom, there's probably not a day in my life. I guarantee there's not a day in my life that I haven't been prayed for, as well as several other people. She's a prayer warrior. They spend a lot of their vacations visiting and encouraging missionaries. Imitate people like that. Where you can just look at their life and you go, wow, their king is Jesus. Like, there's just no other way to describe that. There's no other way to explain that. What about their speech? What about their mouth? What do they talk about? People worth imitating talk about their future hope. Verse 21, it describes glorification. He expounds on verse 11 of chapter 3, where, where we saw this resurrection of the dead, and he explains it here. Here's the resurrection of the dead. If you're a follower of Christ, you get a transformed physical body that's going to be like Jesus's, it says, rid of imperfections. If that's old news to you, or if that doesn't get you excited, you need to check your spiritual pulse. It's going to be incredible. And we have assurance that this is going to happen because Jesus' power, it says. The power of Christ that enables him to subject all things to himself. This is real, sure, living hope. Because we're going to have a transformed body. Not a maybe, a certainty. That's dependent on his power. That's why we can be certain of it. People who are convinced that this future hope is theirs. That they're, one day they're going to get this brand new body. They're going to be with Christ forever. Glorification cannot help but talk about it. Imitate people who talk about heaven. 
But don't just imitate people who walk around quoting Bible verses. Okay, but listen to their other speech. Is their speech honoring of heaven, honoring of God? I immediately thought of Pastor Bruce Thomas. If you don't know Pastor Bruce Thomas, you should. He just lives a couple blocks away. He's the pastor of Boone Biblical Memorial Church. They meet now over at West Haven, but they met here and and under his leadership, they gave us this church, they gave us all this property, and all of that is incredible. But, But put all that aside for a second, just Pastor Bruce himself, if you've spent any time with this guy, he is always talking about Jesus and heaven. He's a great listener, but when he does speak, He's talking about Christ. And I don't know if I, I don't know if I've had a conversation with him where it didn't end with him praying right there and then for me. And I see him do that with others as well. It's not just me. Imitate people whose speech is focused on heaven. It's focused on eternity like Pastor Bruce. What about their actions? Imitate people that do the opposite of verse 18. Imitate people who, who, Walk as insanely loyal to the cross. Not enemies of the cross, but insanely loyal. The way they live looks foreign, looks head-scratching, almost insane to this world. Especially in relationships with other people and promoting unity like we saw in 4 verse 2. I heard a story from a guy in our church recently. That was just incredibly inspiring to me. And I asked him permission to share it with you all. But a great example of this. Of walking as insanely loyal to the cross. This person was in a Bible study. And the, the, the person leading the Bible study challenged them. To offer forgiveness to someone that they had bitterness towards. Someone that they almost seem seems impossible to offer forgiveness. And so he, you know, kind of kicking and screaming. Didn't really want to. He did it. Sent him a Facebook message. Offered forgiveness, praise for them, bitterness gone. But here's the catch. This guy offered forgiveness to the guy who cheated on his ex-wife. That's insane. Apart from the cross of Christ. That is insane if we are only living for right here and right now. But it makes all the sense in the world. If your focus is eternity, imitate people who do that. Imitate people who do stuff like that. People who are focused on eternity. Their minds are set on eternity. Their king is Jesus. They talk about future hope. And they're insanely loyal to the cross. And I can, I can almost hear. I think I heard it earlier. If I could hear people's thoughts. I can already hear it. I get it, Matt. I get it, Paul. But you do not understand the pain that I've experienced from people that I trusted who just failed me. And you're right, I, I don't understand. But I've experienced it myself a bit too. There was, there was a guy who I knew in high school who was a mentor of mine. And in college, really became a mentor of mine. He, I, I interned um, in the youth ministry where he was the youth pastor. And I was there faithfully serving four years. And, and at the beginning of that fourth year in September, just when things are getting ramped up in youth ministry, he just disappeared. Gone. Like, I never even got an explanation from the church or him. 
of what happened. I do not know to this day what happened to this guy. He's gone. And you may have a story of some pain you've experienced, maybe much worse, that was done much more directly to you. And for that, I'm sorry. That isn't okay what happened to you. But here's your hope. 4 verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in who? The Lord, my beloved. Here's why there's hope for us who have been hurt and have a hard time imitating other people. First, we are loved. Paul reminds them we are infinitely loved and valued by God himself. So regardless of how other people hurt you, no one can take that away. It's what we just sang. We build our life on his love. And also, Paul says to them, I love you guys. I haven't failed you. Let me be a source of healing to you, Philippians. And I, by extension, say, you know what? I may not even know you, but I do love you. And our church loves you and our leadership loves you. And by God's grace, we strive to be a source of healing in the flesh for you. But here's the real hope. Stand firm in the Lord. You can stand firm always. No matter what anyone else has done to you. You can stand firm in God himself, in Christ. In the middle of that pain. Because Jesus is your perfect, humble, unfailing, constant counselor and friend who will never leave you or forsake you. You can and you should move forward and trust other people again. And here's why you should do it. You should do it because you trust God and his design. And he spelled out his design in this passage. He spells out his design throughout the Bible that we need each other we need others in our life. Even people, when people fail you, and even if they fail you again, Christ is our rock. So I want to offer two New Year's resolutions to you. It's still, you know, if you haven't made any, great. Here they are for you. If you have, add these to the list. I guarantee they'll help you out. Two New Year's resolutions for 2020. First, is simple but hard to carry out. Intentionally imitate someone this year that's focused on heaven. Intentionally imitate somebody this year who's worthy of imitating, like we saw in this passage. I know in our culture, sometimes coaches and mentors are viewed as unnecessary and a waste of time. But they're actually the most necessary and best use of time. Just look at the sports world. Why would it be any different for us as we follow Christ? They actually make the rest of our time that much more focused, that much more productive. We always need to be learning from someone. I love what Bill Hull said in his book, Choose the Life. He said, the church is packed with people who claim to be followers of Jesus, but they're not connected in community. They're going solo. To them, discipleship is what a person does in a program. Their thinking is, I engage in only the activities or spiritual exercises I have time for or what seems attractive to me. In other words, I maintain control of Jesus' agenda for me. I keep my distance from anyone who might threaten my autonomy. And listen, 
This is the key part. I, a key part to following Jesus is following someone who can teach you how to follow Jesus. A disciple who is, is someone who is in submission to at least one other person in a healthy and appropriate relationship in which the disciple has the support and accountability to develop fully as a follower of Jesus. A key part to following Jesus for everyone in this room, everyone listening to this, has to be following somebody else in the flesh who can teach us how to follow Jesus. God designed it this way. Don't be passive with this this year. Don't wait for the stars to align and someone to approach you. Be intentional. Find someone worthy of imitating. Seek them out. Say, hey, will you mentor me? Will you disciple me? Spell out what that means, what that looks like. You might be like, who should I pick? Here's who you shouldn't pick. Don't pick an author of a book that you can never sit down with and talk to. Don't pick a, 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 podca- a person who does a weekly podcast. Those are good and helpful. Right now, in a way, I'm being mentored and discipled by Eugene Peterson, who is a pastor who wrote a book about pastors. But guess what? He is a cheap substitute for Steve Jones, who I meet with regularly, who I get to see in the flesh and personalizes things for me. Eugene can't do that. He's dead. We need real people that in, we intentionally rub shoulders with and learn from. And this could be sitting down formally, one-on-one, regularly, or it could be more informal. You're just, I'm going to make sure we hang out and, uh, and go hunting or shoot guns every once in a while or, or uh, have them over with their kids and we'll just, you know, um, hang out, have a play date and, and hang out, whatever. But be intentional with this, that as you're spending time together, observe, learn from them of what it looks like to be an alien in this world, to live for eternity, to have your life focused on that. You know, that's one of the main points of a church, of the body of Christ, is so that we can have living examples of what this looks like, because we need one another. Imitate people worthy or focused on eternity. Regardless of their age, regardless of their gender even. There are people in this room, in our church, who are, who are young, who are teens, who are middle-aged, who are seniors. Who, there are people in all those age brackets who are worthy of imitating. There's male, there's female. Don't lock yourself into that. You know who I've learned a lot about following Jesus from? Debbie Ellis. And Tim Ellis. If you don't know that, Tim's, Tim's one of our elders. You should get to know them if you haven't. But Debbie is just incredibly empathetic. I mean, she, you, you know that she gets it when you're talking with her. But she knows her Bible too. I mean, I, I would never want to play Bible trivia with her. Right? But she just doesn't just know it. Like, she knows it. You know what I'm saying? Like, she knows Jesus. And she doesn't just spew facts. Like, she lives it. She loves it. She loves God. Through his word. And, and Tim. Tim doesn't say a lot. But when he speaks. He makes his words count. Lots of things that I have said in sermons. Have come. From short little one liners. From Tim Ellis. And he also knows his Bible very well. And helps keep me. And our whole church on track. More than you would ever know. Imitate people like that. Imitate somebody this year. The second 
The second New Year's resolution is this. Yourself. Be, live a life worth imitating. Be someone that, that people would go, yeah, I want to imitate them. Because they're focused on eternity. And how do you do that? First, you do it by imitating others yourself. But then, keep coming back to Christ. His example. Philippians 2, 6-8. through 8, Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Keep coming back to the perfect one, the humble, eternal one's example in Christ. Build your life on him and his love, and that will set you free, regardless of what's happened in your past, to imitate other people who are worthy of imitating. Let's pray.